and we get the iconic. You know what I'm going to talk about? The iconicness here. No. Hello and welcome to Tequila Delibird, the Pokemon rewatch and analysis podcast. I'm Graham. My other co-host is Kellen. I'm the one that talks about random stuff, thinks about random things, tries to make jokes. Do I succeed? We don't know. My co-host is a force of benevolent sarcasm and beautiful Pokemon knowledge. Kellen, how you doing? Fucking fantastic. Fucking lovely. Fucking lovely. I'm Hell chuffed yeah. to bits to be here today. Oh, what does that mean? What does chuffed it mean? It just means that I'm I'm very happy. Is I'm that excited. a Pokemon ability? Chuff? No. <laughs> what would it do if it was? That's a great question. I have no idea. Chuff. I like it. It sounds like the name of a Pokemon. And Chuff yeah, evolved into Chaffy. <laughs> so this is going to be a fun one. We try to keep these things evergreen, but uh, we're both big Nintendo stands. And the Mario movie came out recently. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a small spoiler cast for Mario, but we're going to do it at the very end of the episode. So we'll do a normal uh, To Kill a Deli Bird analysis episode here. And then at the very end, we'll do a Mario uh, spoiler cast. And so since that's at the end, feel free to skip it if you haven't seen Mario yet. But if you you know want to hear our thoughts on the film, and they are spoilers, they are positive. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, very positive wait till the end we're gonna get into the ep- the actual analysis episodes pretty quick i don't think we need to do too much setup how how are things going in general Caleb? oh they're going they're going all right you know they're going all right we have a little business to take care of before we start the uh, the actual episodes but other- otherwise that shouldn't take very long okay what's the business well you know how we've been talking about how tower of terror was our first 10 out of 10 episode Yeah. Well, I was looking at the spreadsheet the other day, and I realized that's kind of untrue. Oh. See, the very first episode we did, technically our second, but our first anime episode, the first, like, canonical To Kill a Deli Bird, we uh, looked at the first episode of the Pokemon anime, and we gave that episode a 10. However, that episode, we did two episodes, and we ranked each one with only one category. Oh, the next episode, we moved into two categories per episode and dividing or averaging the scores out. So what I think we need to do to maintain consistency is go back real fast, pull another category for each of those two episodes, average them out and get a proper canonical score. Perfect. Let's see if I can remember them. I got the memory of an eggplant. We're going to see. I'm also going to log these in the sheet as we do them now. All right, all right. So, listeners of the podcast, this is the four pour right at the start. Plastic <gasps> ping pong picture of objective rankings. We'll pull random categories for episodes one and episodes two of the anime to retroactively give them augmented scores. Let's hear it. So, episode one. For episode one, Pokemon I Choose You, we had Anime Mom Energy. We gave that a 10. Oh, yeah. And now we're going to pull a second category for episode one which is going to be sweet sentences. Do we remember any sweet sentences <laughs> from episode That's one? So hard. You're putting me on the spot. I'm checking what I've written down. You go for back that to your episode. notes. I am pulling out my notes. The thing was, my notes back then were a little sparser. Lately, I've gone into like big, huge note-taking mode. Before, it was like just my just my thoughts. So I don't really have any standout sentences. Uh-oh. Do you? Uh, not that I can think of immediately. I mean, like the opening 
of the show is pretty good because it's like narrated and it's a great episode. Yeah, it's a good episode. Like the narration at the start is very like epic. This is tough really to set up when we don't know happening. when we don't remember. Is mm-hmm. this working? Is this good content? Maybe pull another one. This is fantastic one. content. Maybe pull another one. All right, fine. The soundtrack. Go oh, 10. No, I wouldn't say so. It's the so. first time you hear the music. Yeah, but it's not It's not like... Okay, 7. Perfect. 7? It's just fine. Yeah, I'm good with that. It's typical. 10 and 7, so now that is... 8.5. A, a retroactive 8.5. Now for episode 2, Pokemon Emergency, I believe it was called. We did... How tasty the featured Pokemon would be if they were cooked. We ended up doing three for Ekans, zero for coughing. So a 1.5 on that one. Second category, we'll do Nurse Joy's cuteness level. That's great. This is Nurse Joy's first ever appearance. So pretty high. It's a, it it's pretty a high, good yeah. Joy episode. And that's the episode where Jenny is just like this destructive cop. Tokyo and- <laughs> drifts into the Pokemon Center, yes. Right. Joy's like, validate your parking. <laughs> <laughs> And and this was a a good joy. We've seen some kind of sloppy or lazy joys more mm-hmm. recently. This was kind of peak joy. So um, there might be a little recency bias in here, but I, I would say like eight. Yeah, I was thinking high. Yeah, eight eight is good. Eight is good. It's a it's a good joy. Agreed. A joy that so, brings you joy. So then one point five plus eight divided by two four point seven five for Pokemon Emergency. That's a much wow. better score than the one point five originally. Yeah, you got a bit of a boost, and the Pokemon Mom episode got a, a mild flattening, but still strong. So Tower of Terror is still our first oh, Tower proper of Terror 10 out of 10. Episode. There you go. Holy moly, I'll show that to my grandkids. That is uh, <laughs> you know, part of the reason I didn't want to give the soundtrack a 10 in the first episode. <laughs> just, oh, just to keep, to keep you Tower know of Terror. In your heart, in your subjective heart, that Tower yes. of Terror is objectively the best. My objective heart, actually. You no, know, we're abusing those words. So don't nah. shout us out in the comments about abusing those words because we know it's, we know that's the joke. You're the joke. We don't have to. We have speaking to, you of know, jokes, the joke only gets better when we explain it. Speaking of jokes, you know so that. the Mario movie had me pretty jazzed, right? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking in uh, the Mushroom Kingdom, more specifically in Bowser's Kingdom, what kind of podcasts would be going around? Oh, yeah. I'm really interested in what kind of podcast the villains would have. So I uh, took a trip. I bought a plane ticket. I flew to <laughs> Bowser's Evil Kingdom. And oh, wow. I, uh, oh, I could have just got a VPN. Damn it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we would put the Nord VPN sponsor if we were sponsored. Yeah, if we ever get one. <laughs> come on, Nord. Uh, come on, Manscaped. So we flew. <laughs> so I flew to Bowser's Domain. Fresh. Brought up my Spotify. Checked out the podcasts unique to the region. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. so all the villains have one, uh, a bunch of them, and not all of yeah, them. Yeah, that sounds I, I about right. I missed a lot. I missed a lot. So, did you know that Koopa Troopa, in general, all the Koopa Troopas, but I'll probably just <laughs> one Koopa Troopa, has a podcast called What the Shell, and it's like a Grind My Gears podcast where they just complain about things. What the Shell. Mm-hmm. That's every Koopa Troopa. Every they, Koopa Troopa all, has a What the Shell the podcast. podcast. Yeah. They're all on the podcast at one time. There's a blooper. Uh, who has a podcast called Real Squid Games, where he reviews <laughs> playing multiple games at once. Plays like eight games because he can hold like eight controllers at the same time. <laughs> called Real Squid Games. Okay, Birdo. You remember Birdo from Super Mario wow. Brothers 2? Wow. Yeah, that, that freak has a podcast called The Whole Truth, a real account <clears throat> of what it feels like to produce eggs from your face. 
<laughs> Sounds horrifying. I feel like, I feel like that's, that's a one-episode thing, if you're accounting uh, one specific is, experience. This is Birdo's life, Kellen. That's true. <laughs> I'm sorry, Birdo. Are you reducing Birdo's life story like that? Apparently. Apparently. I'm sorry. Okay, there's a Goomba with a podcast called mm-hmm. Sincerely Squished. Stories of the Continuously Flattened, where Goomba <laughs> invites other Goombas on to tell stories of when they were squished. <laughs> okay, Shy Guy puts out a podcast every Tuesday that is just 60 minutes of silence. <laughs> it doesn't even have a name. That's good. I would, I would listen to that. That's and great. And of course, Bowser rules the domain with his podcast, mm-hmm. Lonely at the Top, which is basically Joe Rogan, but for the dark realm. <laughs> I would love to see Bowser doing a Joe Rogan style <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Jamie, can you pull that up, please? <laughs> exactly. Bowser getting high with Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> That's gold, Jerry. All right. Yeah. So done with jokes. Time for the episodes. Let's let's get into what we're doing this week. We're doing uh, two episodes. Episode 31, Dig Those Diglet. And episode 32, The Ninja Pokemon. Or sorry, The Ninja Poke Showdown. Gotta get those titles right. How'd you feel about these ones? These were good episodes. I enjoyed them. How they're did you solid, feel? They're solid Pokemon episodes for sure. Dig mm-hmm. Those Diglet was uh, awesome. I actually really yeah. like Dig Those Diglet. I thought, and especially when reflecting on the second one, on the, on the Ninja one, I thought it was really fun and, and kind of flowery. There is almost no plot in it, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so My only real gripe with Dig Those Diglet is that it, it basically is just a rehash of the Tentacool and Tentacruel episode. Oh, you ruined one of my jokes. It absolutely oh. is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a rehash. Like, been there, done that. And I wonder how many times Pokemon episodes are going to do that, basically be... Probably a lot. Allusions to themselves? Many times. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's move into episode 31, Dig Those Diglet. So the narrator notes it's been months since Ash left home. They're uh, they're in the woods, and their next stop is going to be the Fuchsia Gym, which is over the mountain. But which mountain is it? We don't know. There's like a dozen. They're lost again. They're surrounded by mountains. They know mm-hmm. They know their location vaguely as somewhere in the mountains. And I love this opening bit where Misty says, don't tell me we're lost again. And Brock says, okay, I won't tell you. (laughs) I won't tell you. (laughs) Classic Brock. Now get fucked. Got him. (laughs) Got him. We cut to Team Rocket already. They're having Chinese food and tea and crumpets and Meowth's doing a workout. So they're having a picnic. And this, did you catch that this is a jelly donut moment? Uh, Kind of. I I knew it was probably not Not what they said it was. So they said... Ah, Jesse goes, I'm going to enjoy Chinese food. She's definitely eating Japanese curry. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you've had Japanese curry. I have Good not. prairie boy. I don't think so. But I've had a fuck ton of it. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy it at the supermarkets. Like, it comes in like cubes that basically, uh, what's the word? Like a, a bouillon cl- cube, like that kind of yeah. thing. Like you just make it, turn it into a broth. Japanese curry, how I describe it is it's basically like a spiced gravy. It's not hot at all. It tastes more like gravy that you pour on rice and eat with like fried chicken or fried pork. And it's super good. And that's definitely what she's eating. She's got a bowl of the curry that she's going to pour onto her rice. So she says Chinese food. I'm going to have Chinese food. Definitely Japanese curry. And James says tea and crumpets. A closer observation, he's probably eating ochizuke. I think that's how you say it, which is like a Japanese tea rice dish. 
where you have dashi, which is like a like a broth. Well, it's like a like the base of a broth, tea, and then and, and rice. So kind of like a often like a breakfast food, very simple dish. Um, mm-hmm. But they're probably eating those two foods. But they yeah, Chinese food and tea and crumpets. Okay, great because we can't teach. We can't make kids think that they're watching a Japanese show. No, <laughs> no, we have to hide the fact that it's Japanese. Yeah, when it comes to curries, like in general, I want to I want to try more curries and stuff. But in terms of curry and curry like foods, I eat a fuck ton of butter chicken. Yeah, you, of course you do. You're white. I love I love butter chicken. It's so good. He just let his race out, folks. <laughs> well, yeah, every That wasn't a secret. <laughs> who, who loves butter chicken? No, I, I love butter chicken, too. Butter but chicken's so it's just, good. It's just good. I, I've had a few other curries. I don't know the names of them or anything, and they were all good. But I Well, it's such more, a broad category yeah. of food in yeah. general. And, and you'll hear people say things like, I don't like curry. And it's like, well... There's probably some curry you like. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's, pizza. That's you can't not like so pizza because there's a billion different kinds <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah, there's probably some pizza you like. Like there's mm-hmm. it's so broad. So I feel like curry's like that too. And Japanese curry is probably your next step. It's really just like, do you like gravy? Yeah. Yeah, you'll like Japanese curry then. All right. So then there's an earthquake. And their picnic gets disturbed. Their, their lunch break is ruined. Blah. And they go running off. That seems to be their motivation this episode, for yeah, at least for a little a while. In the background, they spill their food. Jessie's got her curry all over her head. And with that head of hair, that's going to take a while to wash out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. not a, That's not going to be a fun time to do that. So jump ahead. We see a big convoy of trucks heading not towards Not a freedom a convoy. Thank God. Construction site. Canada joke. <laughs> 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 we gotta get these diglets out of here because they're they're uh, destroying our rights. <laughs> <laughs> the diglets yeah, have so, vaccines. <laughs> so the truck is like these trucks are blowing up little parts of the land, and then they seem to like find weak ground, and the trucks fall over, and they cause this big truck pile up. And then you hear coming from the distance: dig. Nice Doppler effect. Truly a haunting tune, Thank you. too. Thank you. <laughs> that dead-eyed song of destruction that the Diglett dirge <laughs> diglet, while they destroy dig, their diglet, enemies. Diglett dig. Diglett dig. Dig. <laughs> so Pikachu meets a Diglett, they kind of talk a little bit, and a worker says that the Diglett are destroying everything. They can't finish this dam because of the Diglett, and they've been causing these earth-like, earthquake-like Things. Did you catch the name of this dam? Yes, and this is a beautiful name. <laughs> mm-hmm. They call it the Gaiva Dam. Spelt. G-A-I-V-A. <laughs> so it's give a dam. It's give a dam, yeah. <laughs> We're building give a dam. <laughs> I love kid shows. They're so weird. <laughs> it's great. Give a dam. <laughs> also, like, so, so the Diglett are messing with the construction of give a dam. Mm-hmm. To the point where the we're just going to call it give a damn, right? That's yeah, a beautiful, absolutely. beautiful phrase. We're the point where all these supply trucks are just like crashed into each other. Like there's like mm-hmm. it looked like 50 trucks just like piled on top of each other. Like it's a pretty mass destruction. Yeah, it's a pretty historic pile up. And the, the so now the head of the construction workers, who's who's really the main construction worker we meet and talk to in this, he's the one that tells them that it's the Diglett, they're destroying everything. This character is actually the reason I enjoyed this episode, because he <laughs> is 
ridiculous. He has this really cheesy Italian accent, and it's so over the top, and he's just losing it all the time. It's the Diglett! They're destroying everything! I'm not going to do an Italian accent because I can't, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he is just... He's he's like Mario meets uh I don't know like a constipated Mario who's eating something really spicy and he's just <laughs> screaming about it. I don't think we ever learned this guy's name either. Did no, we? I kept writing him down as I Man, is short for Italian <laughs> man. <laughs> I just yeah, I just I was just running down as the worker because there's this scene right here where where Misty's like, I think Diglets are cute, and he's like, You think they're cute? And he starts tearing oh, at his hair you. and breaking his helmet. And, <laughs> the worst. So that guy. The rules. absurdist. The absurdness is, is just the best. We love it. Oh yeah, he's a cartoon character. So this working crew is offering a six night stay at a luxury resort to whoever can clear the stiglet out. Mm-hmm. They've called in a bunch of trainers. They think Ash and the gang are some of the trainers they called in, but they just happened upon this thing. But these trainers that they called in all come in. The leader of all these trainers, it's Gary Oak. Driving in the red car from Outrun by Sega. Mm-hmm. Remember those very, games? Very, very flashy. Very flashy. Loads of ladies, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says also that Ash is the fourth in fourth place because he was the fourth to leave home. But as a trainer, he's dead last. Yeah, Gary, <laughs> Gary's mean as heck. I mean, that's his entire character. There's also buses full of trainers behind Gary. Like, yes. like a ton of buses. So tons of people have come out to try to win this uh, reward for the stay at uh, Give a Resort. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> give a damn, give a resort. Yeah, the Giva Resort. <laughs> I didn't I didn't write that down. Well, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like rewinding. That's that. fine. <laughs> so Gary also has of course his six cheerleaders with him. Yeah. Just crowding the red car from Outrun. Ash thinks they're Pokemon for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> So this reminds me of, there is this trope in shonen anime where the character is almost, like, uh, naively asexual. Like, like I know asexuality <laughs> is an actual thing, and that's not at all what they're portraying. They're portraying someone who's just, like... Ignor- not ignorant, just stupid. Yeah, such an idiot that they're, like, unaware of women or something like that was a trope they did with goku like it feels like they do that with luffy from one piece too and here's ash so obsessed with pokemon that uh he he thinks that gary's cheerleaders are pokemon (laughs) like okay yeah they go through this whole conversation where gary's like ash did you catch any cool pokemon yet and she's like, yeah, do you want to do you want to see it? I have one right here. I can show you. It. And Gary's like, nah, no one, not a good, no good trainer shows off their Pokemon. And then why did why did you ask in the first place? Yeah, then? he's such a walking contradiction. Yeah. And then Ash, he, he goes over to his cheerleaders and Ash is like, wait, are are those Pokemon? Well, the cheerleaders are like, Gary Yoke, Gary Yoke. Gary he Yoke, comes through Gary when Yoke. others choke. <laughs> Beautiful. And, and I think Misty, no, Brock puts him in his place. Yeah. They're and like, starts hitting on him, of brutal. course. But yeah, Brock. Goes into straight white knight mode immediately, starts hitting on the cheerleaders. They call him Sir, and he takes that to mean that they think he's an old man. And and that's when Brock has like a full-on breakdown, <laughs> admits to the audience what we already knew. He's like, I don't care, I'm so desperate! <laughs> they think I'm an old man, but I don't care, I'm desperate. Could I have someone's phone number, please? Maybe an address? Email? Chill out, Brock. Chill out. <laughs> Email would have been pretty new at the time, too, though. So good on you, yeah, Rock. So. Forward thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so Team Rocket overhears all of this. They want the reward. 
They're back to playing for a vacation. They did this a couple episodes ago, but they they want yeah. a break now. Yeah. Again. And then Meowth wants to be traded to a different uh, Team Rocket. Hello? Can I get team. traded to a less embarrassing team? <laughs> I think in the uh, the Swedish dub I read, Meowth asks to be traded to a less embarrassing animated team. So he, he like wants to switch shows. Oh, beautiful. Like he wants to, <laughs> to team up with the bad guys in like Rocky and Bullwinkle or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, Wouldn't that be a crossover? He wants to become a Scooby-Doo villain. Oh, <laughs> and I would have gotten away with it. Incredible! Someone make that crossover, please. Oh, fan yeah. art, fan art, please. <laughs> Man, if we had an audience and we got fan art, that'd be so cool. Wouldn't that be the life? It'd be cool to have an audience. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Team Rocket is going to try to get all these trainers Pokemon. James does some brilliant fucking math here. He goes, if each trainer has six Pokemon, then there's six times as many Pokemon. Yeah, Thanks, it's, James. it's a beautiful theoretical equation, and I'm, I stand with him. Who needs numbers when you can set up the problem? <laughs> that takes a real genius. But all they have is Ekans and Coughing. How are they supposed to take down all of these trainers with just Ekans and Coughing? Sneak attacks have never worked. They're becoming a little self-aware, which is actually a little kind bit. of a change of pace here. Meowth says they should do plan B, and like they, they go like fire in their eyes. They're like, not plan B. Plan B? Oh my god. No one said plan B in 40 years. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. So they're going to try to, their plan B is trying to induce evolution. On now, does that and mean anything to you in induction or, or it's, it is the common word induced being that they're going to try to force evolution, right? This isn't like a specific Pokemon thing, is it? Mm, no, I don't think so. Because like every Pokemon has certain criteria in which they can evolve and you can't force them to evolve beyond those criteria like right. if a pokemon evolves at level 36 you straight up can't induce evolution before that right i think this is a kind of an anime specific thing but they're they're taking induce evolution maybe to mean like experience grinding or something yeah they're gonna they're gonna use an emulator and they're gonna put on <laughs> a, a fast forward feature you know pump it up to, to 400 speed and yeah Mash that space bar. Oh, so fun. Yeah, the real contest is getting kicked off, right? And uh, there's something about megaphones in uh, on the Pokemon show that I like. Whenever a character has a megaphone, it does something in my brain. Just like how they're how how they're starting to yell something uh, not profound at all, usually pretty tacky. And uh, that's what I man Italian boy here is doing. Kicks off the contest. He's he also is calling out Ash because Ash is like talking and ash is so down on himself he's like hey you with the pikachu on your head listen with your ears not your mouth and i just like well you can at least t- call me by my name and misty says don't feel bad he probably doesn't even know your name which i don't know if that's supposed to make him feel better but probably doesn't know your his name no, no no probably not yeah the worker calls diglett a parasitic bug pokemon and then gary jumps in with the um actually actually teacher he's um mole Pokemon would be more of a more, more of an appropriate term. And considering he's so small and so weak, it would be bad to call Diglett the world's worst anything. So <laughs> push up his glasses. Yeah, Gary should get like fucked. What a pretentious yeah. <laughs> little shit. <laughs> so the Diglett come back. Gary, Gary's on the case. He's going to take out these Pokemon with his we don't see because the Pokemon does not come out of the Pokeball. Yeah, and he tries multiple Pokeball, hey, and none of them are coming out. Yeah, and then all the trainers try all their Pokemon. They think, oh, maybe maybe mine will work, being dumbasses. None Me- of them come out of their ball. Italian boy is having a full-on meltdown. <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking like, breakdown. <laughs> 
like bright red, flipping out, hitting his head on the ground. Get that diglet! Get the diglet! <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> but they, at least the diglet are polite enough to return all of the Pokeballs to their trainers. So. She's very cute. So people are throwing yeah. Pokeballs. The so Pokemon won't come out. There's a huge pile of Pokeballs. The diglet are just distributing them back. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and Ash, being a dumbass, having seen like 10 dozen people try to send up their Pokemon and not work, thinks, oh, maybe I'm the exception. He goes for Squirtle, but Pikachu intercepts him with this like big cross arm thing. Pika crosses his arms. Very cute. Right. And that's really the hint uh, at what's going on here is that Pikachu understands something. The Pokemon don't want to come out. Yeah, they can't figure out why the Pokemon don't want to battle. I fucking wonder why. What could the possible explanation be? I don't know. I'm not that smart. (laughs) I watched the whole episode and I still don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I know. I know. Don't jump better on now. Don't jump the worker, on Then the worker is trying to trying to whack-a-mole. He's playing, playing whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole with the big Yeah, he's, he's down on the ground. He's like, well, the Pokemon won't do anything. I'm going to... I've got like a mallet. And he's trying to, to hit the diglets. Well, he has a full-on... He, he is having a full-on shit-his-pants freak-out. <laughs> like, like pissing shitter flying. Vinegar, sweat. Like, he's, he's just demented creature here. Um... Twisted creature. Let's go twisted creature. Yeah, and Gary pull, pulls another um actually means that, um, that, that's, actually. that's never that's never gonna work. Diglett can pull their heads in at one hundred eighty six thousand two hundred eighty two miles per second, which apparently is the speed of light. I didn't fact check I didn't that, fact check but. that either. Shout us All out right, in the let's... comments. What's the speed of light in miles per second? I'm gonna fact check that. It's gonna show you it, in kilometers, so it not shows me in meters. In miles per second. 186,282. Well, you passed this one, Gary. 0.397. So he was 0.397 off. But are the the Diglets actually able to move at the speed of light? Because I seriously doubt that. They are fast. That's like their speed of light. But not the speed of light. (laughs) It's it's a very significant physical uh, property. For yeah. that kind of keeps uh, uh you know the world working the way it does. Yeah, I don't. I feel like there would be some kind of effect, some like interdimensional effect, if anything could move at the speed yeah, of light. Yeah, you could exploit that somehow. Like maybe yeah. Diglets are the key to time travel or teleportation <gasps> yeah. or something. Yeah, if Diglett, if a bunch of Diglett get together and they roam the Earth at the speed of light in the opposite direction, the Earth is spinning. Will that? cause time travel oh like in superman the movie yeah when superman goes around the earth to go back in time mm-hmm. i'm gonna say I'm yes. you factually yes i'm gonna Good. say okay <laughs> i'm gonna say objectively <laughs> and scientifically yes <laughs> citing superman the movie as my source you are the one with the phd so you would know better i don't have a phd oh right you have a master's <laughs> Yeah, I just have a master's. Come on. That's why I have no authority. Close enough. That's why I'm a disappointment. I only have a bachelor's, so and I'm 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 never one for that master's. Yeah. Well, education is fine. (laughs) That's that. (laughs) Yeah, but I am also fucking done with it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, don't don't get too hung up on it. Yeah, Gary leaves now because it's obvious that no one can even do anything. So he just heads out. Here's my question. Gary is supposed to be 10, right? Yeah. Okay, so he's in this car with all of these girls. Are all of his cheerleaders like 16? Because one of them's driving. Well, I, I asked you that at the first episode. How Did old are, are Gary's uh, cheerleaders? And you seemed uninterested in the question. You were like, they're probably 10, whatever. 
Well, they uh, weren't driving at that point. I know. They just it's, walked it's off. It's strange. I was like fascinated by Gary's cheer- cheerleaders because I'm like, are these like grown women who are following this like <laughs> 10 year old around cheering about him? He must pay really well. Are they employees? Is Probably. that what they are? Because no one could like Gary that much to actually follow him around. It's a bizarre time. concept and it yeah. makes my head spin. I think he just bought half of the basketball team's cheerleaders or something. <laughs> Oh, he just no. I thought you just bought the basketball team, and they're like <laughs> that too. He just like, owns the Mavericks. We're we're really good athletes. Why are we? Uh, <laughs> why do we have to cheer for this ten year old? <laughs> See, now the gang's in a hot spring. And on somehow, sale. yeah. No, no one, no uh, foreshadowing to that. They still don't get why the Pokemon wouldn't fight though. But then the Diglett come back and they they follow off the well, Diglett. Well, why do you need foreshadowing? So maybe this is like an extremely Japanese thing. But it onsen, just came out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> onsens, like hot springs like that, are part of going to the mountains, like in mm-hmm. Japan. Like they they all kind of have them. Very geothermal sort of country in that respect. Uh, so kind of a cultural thing. Um, uh, I did I did read the on Bubblepedia on the dub edits that the, there was supposedly some kanji for a hot spring advertisement somewhere in the episode, but it was removed in the dub. Ah, so can't teach kids about onsens. They just feel, they just didn't feel like translating it. No yeah. budget for that. So they just yeah. removed it. Well, that's fair, I guess. So Team Rocket back to Team Rocket. They failed their induced evolution because they don't understand the concept of experience points. Apparently, is this one and of then, the first times experience points are brought up? I think so. Because they it might explicitly be explicitly say. Like, oh, we don't have enough experience points. It might be the first. I'm not entirely sure. Because, like, we've heard about levels in the past. Yeah, we've heard about levels. But also Team Rocket is, they're the ones that break the fourth wall the most. Mm -hmm. So so if someone is doing an out of uh, frame sort of reference, it, it would be them. Yeah. Like, so I don't know if this is, if experience points are, like, if the world of Pokemon in the show literally has experience points, or that's more just, like, a joke towards the games. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I think there is a level of they wanted to include these game elements of levels and experience points in the anime, but they weren't really sure how they could include them properly. Right, right. Because so, there's no like visual indication in terms of any of that. So they yeah, like, so threw they, it they in every once in a while. Sneak in here and there for sure. For yeah. Sure. So the Team Rocket's kind of bummed that that they're not evolving. They start crying, hugging their Pokemon. It looks like their tears cause an evolution. Well, they start crying because like they start thinking about like the the emotions and the morality of it all. They're like, if they evolve, we've always known coughing and Ekans as coughing and Ekans, but if they evolve, there'll be new Pokemon. Will we even know them anymore? And they start crying, and it seems like this this uncertainty is what uh, pleases coughing and Ekans. <laughs> and they're like, if we do this, we can fuck with them. So let's evolve. Let's do it. Go, 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 oh, go. You think it was like a prank? <laughs> <laughs> you I like that your idea. emotional vulnerability. I shall now evolve to exploit that. <laughs> it's great. So, that, yeah, it seems like their tears caused the evolution. And Meowth is like, no, it's just just coincidence. It's their time to evolve. Yeah, don't. I think Meowth is shutting down their theory. into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then. We go back to the gang, and we get the iconic... You know what I'm going to talk about? The iconicness here? No. Dig, 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 trio, trio, trio. Over and over again. And in yeah, post, I'm going to add it's a two more tune. of me saying trio, trio, trio on top of that. So it's like three of me saying it. Oh, just, sick. Just a, there you go. So, sick. You know. 
<laughs> oh, it sounds amazing. Oh, my God. Yes, it does. It sounds incredible. Dexter, <laughs> we go back to the Dex, who has no specific info on Doug Trio. So what the fuck are you doing, Dexter? Yeah, sometimes I don't know why it doesn't know the things it doesn't know. Like, ghosts, I can sort of understand, but Doug Trio is just like a normal fucking Pokemon. And doesn't seem specifically rare. Like, we're kind of yeah. led to believe by uh, some of how this plot wraps up that all the mountain forests have Doug Trio in them. So Brock has figured it out. The Diglett has led them to, like, this big open field garden farm place. And the Doug Trio are plowing the ground while Diglett plant the trees. Brock says that Diglett are plowing the ground and the Doug Trio are planting the trees, which is fucking false. Brock is a smart idiot. Come on, Brock. Jesus Christ. But they come to the conclusion the mountain range is Diglett and Doug Trio's backyard. They're just defending their home. All gardens across the world may be made by Diglett. And the worker realizes what would happen if the dam was built. No Pokemon would be able to live here because it would be flooded with water. And that's why the Pokemon were refusing to fight. Such a quick turnaround. Italian boy, the true hero of the episode, seeing this immediately understands the challenges of capitalism versus uh, ecology immediately cancels the project, does not care about the financial repercussions. He totally understands our purpose, our role in keeping Mother Nature intact. Wow. And this is, a, and this is exactly <laughs> why I say this is a rehash of the Tentacool and Tentacool episode, because it basically is the exact same plot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Except the Diglett aren't trying to kill people. They're trying to wreck trucks. They're trying to wreck trucks, but they're not and trying to actively America, murder an entire same city. Thing. Oh, wreck my truck. Kill my city. <laughs> so yeah, the worker cancels here. the project. They've learned their lesson. So quick. And, now, and be, Team be Rocket, your like lesson Italian is man. just beginning. Whoa. Good Whoa. line, Team Rocket. They yeah. come in. They get to Jesse and James and Meowth pops in with, you know the rest. Yeah, and Ash is like, we're not in the mood. We're okay? not in the mood for this. <laughs> we're not in the mood. You're always in the mood for Team... Everyone should always be in the mood for Team Rocket, or whatever they say. We're they in a good off, enough mood for everyone. Yeah, they they show off their newly evolved Pokemon for the first time on TV. Yeah. Another <laughs> fourth wall break. Yeah, that's a line, yeah. First time on TV. Arbok and Weezing, welcome! <laughs> and so Ash flanks him with all of his starter Pokemon and Pikachu. Again, everyone except Pidgeotto gets to partake. Yeah. It's poor Pidgeotto. Uh-huh. I, We'll see him I feel later. Bad for Pidgeotto. In the next yeah, episode. but still, he seems to always just like when he's using all of his Pokemon. He's like, I don't have a Pidgeotto. What the fuck are you talking about? Fate of the Pidgey line, really treated mm-hmm. second rate all the time. Yeah. So Arbok dodges the Thunderbolt. Him and Weezing go underground where they get beat to shit by a bunch of the Diglett and Doug Trio. <laughs> the Diglets are like, look, we weren't uh, stopping any of the other Pokemon. You know, the other Pokemon got us. They want to fight with us. But you all are being dicks. <laughs> you Team Rocket poker bitches. Yeah, it's Diglett could re- realize that Team Rocket were like straight up evil. I don't think they thought the workers were evil. They just didn't understand the consequences of what they were doing. But they know Team Rocket are just pure bad. Yeah, they're like, ah, oh, bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> so tons of Diglett caused this dirt wave to carry Team Rocket forward like they're dirt surfing. We hey, get a, ten. We get a good one from Meowth, Catabunga. <laughs> and they carry Team Rocket right into the unfinished dam. And we get the uh, the play on their, their classic phrase. It looks like Team Rocket's busted up again. 
Very nice, very nice. Team Rocket then, never catches a break. Absolutely. Yeah, the, yeah. The gang like laments Team Rocket in this moment. They're like, oh man, we feel so bad for them. They never catch a break. It's like they never learned their lesson. And the but Italian the worker has like, not like me. I learned my lesson. <laughs> and the gang is almost at the Fuchsia Gym now, and that's pretty much the episode. Great episode, but mostly because of that over-the-top angry Italian man. Mm-hmm, what a gem. What a gem. All right. Let's throw it to literary hour. Yeah, this this is an interesting one. Like a, a tough one in in some sense because of we we've talked about uh episodes before that have like big environmental themes. So yeah, it's just like repeat where do we what go you said of the tentacle without episode. rehashing that. Well, that was going to be my joke. Was that literary <laughs> reference number 1? Tentacool and tentacruel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so not a book, but the, a really good classic movie, Princess Mononoke, actually has a really similar plot to this. I, I checked the dates. Princess Mononoke came out in Japan, summer of 97, and this episode uh, premiered in the fall. I don't know if that's quick enough for that to have influenced that. That sounds way, that sounds like a coincidence. But the mm-hmm. plot really is kind of similar where like industrialization is sort of impacting the forest and the soul of the forest is being turned into anguish that then comes back to the people. And and it's all a whole lot more complicated than that. But but a beautiful film that really personifies the, the forest, the spirits of the forest and dives into our relationship with nature. If you've never seen Princess Mononoke, high recommend, even if you're not an anime fan, it's one of those movies that even people who aren't into anime generally like. Very, very beautiful film. Uh, for a literary from a book, specific part of Lord of the Rings, I'm thinking about Isengard. So Isengard is one of the titular two towers that uh, Soramon reigns in, and he is uprooting the, the forest around him, Fangorn Forest, to uh, basically create more mechanisms of war, including... The uh the Urukai, which are like orc extra strong warrior things that he's like he's like breeding, and this is destroying parts of the Fangorn forest. Eventually, the Ents, when they've discussed what's going on, Ents are like these giant tree people who kind of uh, feel the forest. They're part of the forest. They eventually decide they uh that Isengard's stamp on the forces too much they rise up and and tear down isengard so that's a small part of lord of the rings but uh i think extremely relevant actually now note in the book version of lord of the rings that uh conflict is done differently where the ants know what is going on and they just take a long time to deliberate and discuss uh what they're going to do and then eventually decide they need to destroy isengard in the movies we see the lead ant treebeard not know what's going on, accidentally stumble upon destroyed a forest and then freak out, which doesn't make sense because they're connected to the forest. They know what's going on in Fangorn. They're part of the forest. They would feel it when trees are being destroyed. Okay. Okay. Peter Jackson, that doesn't make sense. In the book, they take a, it just, it takes a long time because they're a very slow moving a race and making decisions. And that's where we get the slow buildup from. Mm-hmm. I never read Lord of the Rings. Ah. Nor have I seen the movies. Ah. <laughs> I'm glad I explained it uh, with extreme detail because now I'm all sad. I know, 
All I know about Lord of the Rings is that Tolkien describes everything with ridiculous amounts of detail. Ah, or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, he, he is a verbose writer, and he's a he's a careful writer. He's an immersive writer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not like there are more overt <laughs> writers too, but he's also sort of writing in the in a classics trend where like if, if there's a lot of old writers like like Herman Melville and Victor Hugo who like when they write a book it's like they're to- they're tossing in stuff that you that people just don't put in books now today like uh in the hunchback of Notre Dame Victor Hugo spends like whole chapters just describing like architecture history of <laughs> architecture and and in Moby Dick there's like 600 pages in the middle and I'm not even exaggerating okay it opens up with plot it ends with plot in the middle like 600 pages are all about anatomy of whales and like whaling laws off the coast of England were they getting paid by the word or something it's just like when you wrote a book back then you just like shoved everything in your brain onto the paper <laughs> every little thing that the reader might need to know and don't and don't shout me out in the comments if you're gonna say that the uh, emphasis on tons of detail and 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 getting way too complex in Moby Dick is also a metaphor for the main themes of the book, where Ahab is getting lost in his pursuit and immersed in his pursuit, obsessed in his pursuit of the white whale. Because I already know that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How you like that literary hour? It was a little rambly. It was a little nuts. It was good. I think it, it might be the longest literary hour we've had, but not still not quite a full hour. So you need to work on that. It's an hour in our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. We should rank this baby. Let's head to the four poor for the second time today already. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. All right. Dig those diglet. First category will be how the po- featured Pokemon in the episode would taste. If it was cooked. Diglets? Diglets. Oh, I don't know. What is their bone structure? <laughs> well, they're like, they're said to be like a mold. They're said to be like a mold. They look like a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just don't, I don't understand how much meat is on this thing. Yeah. Because I don't I, understand what its spine is. Like, it doesn't have a spine. Is it a vertebrae? I really wish we had, uh, for every Pokemon, like, an anatomy chart. Like, oh, what is yeah, the anatomy yeah. of a diglet? I really like wish one of, had those. One of those classic, like, cross-sectional anatomy mm-hmm. textbooks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Nintendo. Be horrifying, well, but do it. Well, well the, the biology of a diglet says that they feed on tree roots and vegetables, so they may have, like, a an earthy taste, okay. of course. Like a rabbit, maybe. Yeah. Question is, is diglet itself, like, solid as a rock, because it's a ground type, or is there actual meat in there? I think there's meat if it's mole. I would say so, yeah. And the ground is just referencing that it's like in the ground. <laughs> it can go below the ground. It, to says protect it spends itself. much of its time underground and has very thin skin. If Diglett is ex- exposed to sunlight, its blood will heat up and cause it to grow weak. Oh. So maybe it's one of those things that you gotta like sear. It's like tuna. You sear it really quickly on both sides, and there you go. That's how you cook it. <laughs> I, I actually think it probably tastes kind of like hair, but I actually haven't really eaten hair. I, I know there's parts of Europe where they, they eat rabbit. Um, yeah, I've never, I've had, never had it. So I don't really know. I'm not that interested in eating rabbit either. Like I, I've had, I had quail once, which are like really small chickens. 
And I'm like, this was kind of a waste of killing something. <laughs> like there's so there's so little actual food on it. So I I don't know. I I, I don't think I would I like would the be... diglet that much. Yeah, actually. but I, think I don't think it would be particularly terrible. No, it would be fine. It'd be like six. Yeah, I was thinking five. So I bet you people. Five. I bet you some real talented folks could whip up a cuisine around diglet, but it just might not be my thing. It might not be a common thing. You could convince me of six. Let's go six. Okay. All right. And category number two. Characters falling over in surprise and embarrassment. Did you get any? All right, this is my thing that I track. Let's take a look-see here. Uh, yeah, we got a couple. Oh, nice. When Meowth wants to be traded to a different team. Okay. This isn't a whole thing where James thinks that the uh, the earthquakes are being caused by aliens, and he thinks the aliens are back, and I believe Jesse and Meowth both fall over. Oh, beautiful. When Gary states that Diglett can pull their heads out at the speed of light, Ash notes something about how uh, he's been studying, and Gary goes, I've been studying, unlike you, and Ash falls over. <laughs> Come on, Ash. And it's that's it. Well, the Team Rocket two of the... one's good. The Team Rocket one's kind of funny. Yeah, it's all right. I think the it's other right. one's a little weaker. Yeah. I would say like four. Sure, I'm okay with a four. Okay, so it's four fine. and six. It's fine. Solid five. For Dig That Diglet. Five out of ten. Average. What, what was this episode called? Diglet's Dig? Dig Those Diglet. Dig Those Diglet. All right. Nice episode. Nice episode. All I got right. one more for you folks, though. Episode 32 is the Ninja Poke Showdown. This episode is sensational, action-packed, over-the-top, cool setting. Zero plot. It's <laughs> like, fucking wild. <laughs> like, I can't even describe the plot. No, there but is I will. very definite plot progression. I will. Right. But there's no, like, there's no theme, you know? Is there? Well, I mean, that's your Well, we're going to so. get into it. We're going to get we'll into it. We'll figure it out. I, I did figure it out, but it, it's, it's tough. It's tough. So the gang now is lost again. Surprise, surprise. In this very dense forest. Yeah, we first see them popping out of the bushes like that Homer the Simpsons meme. Apparently the Fuchsia Gym is just in the middle of nowhere for some reason. Uh, so they're taking a break by like this river. Psyduck is putting his head or drinking cold water. Misty is like, Psyduck, cold water will make the headache even worse. It's kind of like foreshadowing if you if you think about it. Is that a thing that cold water makes headaches worse? No idea. Well, I mean, you can get brain freeze from cold things. Yeah, but I was like, no, Sedic should hydrate Misty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that might help. Like, okay. So Misty is hating Psyduck. Meanwhile, Brock is loving his Vulpix. Misty yeah, wants Misty's to trade. Misty's kind of mean this episode, at least at the start to Psyduck. Yeah, she comes, she, she has a nice character growth in this episode. Oh, she's soon to raise hard. Yeah. <laughs> so then a Venonat is also watching from above. Yeah, What's creepy, creepy bug eyes come out of the yeah. trees. And we will describe in and out more soon. We we haven't got a good glimpse of them yet. Mm-hmm. So they're crossing this narrow piece of wood across a giant chasm. Which what the fuck? No one put a bridge up here. That nope. seems very sketchy. Yeah, very sketchy. Yeah, where are your like safety regulations? Yeah. <laughs> so they come across this big mansion-like house, and they go a, ask a for huge, directions to huge, the gym. They say mansion. It's a huge like feudal Japanese, almost like fortress looking thing, mm -hmm. like outer wall, lots of these uh, uh, extremely detailed uh, feudal J Japanese architecture sort of buildings spread out 
taking over quite quite a lot of land, just this single giant building. Yeah, so they go into this this building to look for directions. Uh, Misty falls through a revolving wall, like a secret door. Yeah, like a spinning secret door. And, and Brock figures it out, like she disappears. But Brock, okay, he's kind of clever. He figures that out, pushes on the wall. It's a, it's a secret door. Um, so they found Misty already. That's good. <laughs> yeah, and then the Venonat comes back. Right, so describe this thing for me. Venonat is this like little fluff ball. He's this fuzzy little guy, purple dude, with big mosquito eyes and some white antennae. Yeah, and he's just got like tiny little feet and hands, like a like a troll. It's cute. I like Venonat's it design. It is kind of cute. Yeah. Ash calls it a, uh, says that it's not a run of a run of the mill Pokemon, which it it is. Venomoth is quite <laughs> average. Yeah. So <laughs> Ash doesn't know what he's talking about. We also learn from from the decks that the eyes are radar. They can see in mm-hmm. the dark. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And so, so they follow a, the Venonat. A bunch of, well, they follow the Venonat is basically the plot of the first half of yeah. this episode. Now <laughs> they're they're that's their only clue to anything living in this building. So they are constantly trying to follow it. So gangs running after them. Ash gets shocked, and he's like, "What the hell, Pikachu? Why shock me?" There's a Voltorb in the floor. So a Voltorb, it looks like a Pokeball, but it's a Pokemon. It's this red and white little little flag of Poland-esque ball that can electrocute people. It's a Pokeball with a face. Yeah. That's the design. It's the flag of Poland with a face. Original Pokemon in Gen 1, everybody. Good job. It's beautiful. Is, is Voltorb organic? Or is it like Magnemite? I don't know. I, I want to say it kind of like adapts to modern to the modern age because in uh legends arceus there are hisuian voltorb which are based on the the ancient type of pokeball which is made out of like wood and apricorns oh so oh but they they actually are pokeballs sentient pokeballs i don't think they're sentient pokeballs i think they have whatever they are they have evolved to mimic pokeballs Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought for a second it was like, these were the Pokeballs that we left in the cellar too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they got a little ripe. There's a pretty common fan theory that Voltorbs are Pokeballs possessed by Haunter because they have like the same eyes. Oh, that's cool. I, I, I don't think Haunter. there's, but I don't think there's any sort of actual evidence. I don't think, I don't think that's true at all, because the Voltorbs don't seem to have a great sense of humor, and (laughs) Haunter has the greatest sense of humor. So there you go. Case clothes, atheists. (laughs) So then, Ash pulls out Dexter again, to figure out what this Voltorb is, and Dexter goes, the identity of this Pokemon is unknown. What the fuck is with Dexter in these two episodes, not knowing shit about the Pokemon? I think Ash has been hacked. I think Dexter's been hacked. I don't understand. Like, what? what is the point of the Pokedex if it doesn't know a Someone damn thing? Someone guessed Ash's password, because it's probably I love Pikachu or Greatest Trainer or something <laughs> like that. Or Hat Twist 3000. Pokemon Master 123. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. I love my mom <laughs> at Palatown.com. Clean underwear. <laughs> yeah, clean underwear at Palatown.com. So they continue to follow the Venonat. Then they hit an invisible wall. Bang. Bang. Boom. So they try to leave. They turn around, try to leave. Bang. Another invisible wall. Okay, invisible walls. Question for you. This is an in-game mechanic, right? This is the Fuchsia City Gym 
puzzle gimmick. Yeah. It's yeah. an invisible maze. Yeah. And that's how, exactly what it is. Can you remind me how that was playing that? Like you actually can't see the walls or you kind of could if you squint. <laughs> there, I don't remember. There's a slight visual indication. Yeah. 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 There's a shimmer but, or something. Yeah. But overall, it's actually quite easy, even if you don't know that, because you kind of just follow the path of the, the gym trainers and then. Oh, right. That's pretty much it. So and eventually get to the leader. It's not as bad as surges with the trash cans and the luck and that and that being just a fucking mess. Because that's kind of that's randomized. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's brutal. Whereas this is a fixed puzzle. Yeah. And it doesn't work how it was supposed to work. Like they fucked the coding up in Surge's gym in Gen 1. And it's it's just a whole thing. So Ash trips. Ash trips over another false wall. Nearly falls to his death. Yeah, this is savage. And Brock and Misty think he did die, and they're they're very sad for a second. Yeah, they're oh ready to hold a funeral. Yeah, <laughs> but he's I'm just holding alive. on. He's hanging on to the wall. This is dangerous as heck, though. Holy oh yeah, this, this is place a, this, is brutal. I don't. I think OSHA needs to go inspect this ninja hideout. Yeah, they really do. What kind of operation are you running here, Koga? You can have dead kids on your hand any minute now. So Venonat is back once again. They follow him, or Ash gets lured into another room by Venonat. Where a bunch of ninja stars come in and pin him to the wall. Shuriken. Yeah, pin him to the wall. Uh, yeah, this place is deadly. Like, he almost just fell fell into a ravine. Actual sharp throwing stars are, are skewering <laughs> him to the wall. By his clothes, they somehow missed his uh, uh, vitals. But Because Aya, the ninja warrior who reveals herself, is an expert at throwing these ninja stars. Apparently. Pretty cool design uh, Aya yeah. has. She appears... Uh, she's in the the um, what's the word the the appearance of a, a kunoichi. Are you familiar with that word kunoichi? Nope. It is a female ninja. That's that's it. Uh. <laughs> Very fancy. They have a they have a specific word for a female ninja though. Kunoichi. Her head and face and hair kind of remind me of I don't know her name. It's some girl character from I think Street Fighter. Okay. I don't. I don't know. It is what what she reminds me of, but I don't know anything past that. Um, so there's a female ninja. There's a Kunoichi Or maybe character. not Street Fighter. Was it Fire Emblem? Oh, it's Fire Emblem. She looks like Lynn from Fire yeah, Emblem. Yeah. With the green hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she actually kind of does. She does have some Fire Emblem uh, similarities. I mean, Street Fighter similarities, too. There's a female ninja character. What is her name? Ibuki? kind of look similar but that ibuki came later than this i think so uh, i think that's just a coincidence mm-hmm. uh, and same with lynn actually would have come after this too i think because uh, that fire emblem characters from a game boy advance game mm-hmm. so ash and misty berate aya for pinning ash to the wall but brock what what does brock do you want to talk us through this complicated <laughs> brock moment well, Misty, first of all, is like insults her pink clothes because Aya's ninja yeah. outfit is pink, saying that, you know, a ninja should have muted tones and that bright, you know, reflective clothing you've got will, will make you be spotted immediately since you're being a ninja. Uh, Aya is this like <laughs> dark poet, right? She's like born in darkness, living in darkness. Such is the fate of the ninja. <laughs> Don't you dare insult my passion. And and Brock's just ignoring all of this. He's like, can I get your number? <laughs> <laughs> Personal anecdote to the pink ninja outfit. Okay. Very coincidentally, I wrote a, in my script writing class I took a couple years ago for my degree. Every week we had to write a, like a two or three page script. Okay. And one week I wrote a script called Pink Flamingo Ninja Club. Sweet. I love that yeah. name. And people said that it 
sounded it read like a Disney Channel original sitcom, which I was cool with. I took that. I took it. Pink Flamingo Ninja Club sounds like uh, my my next band name. Like, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, where were we? Full simp mode. Yeah, so Brocko's full simp mode, but she won't let them leave without a battle. Uh, yeah, turns she out says, this is a ninja training camp. Yeah, she said, Venonat informed me that three stupid looking people entered the mansion. Burn. Burn. Fucking roasted. Ash needs to get let down. He's still skewered to the wall, but he's into this. He's going to fight uh, against Zaya in a Pokemon battle. You can't challenge Ash to a battle and not have him go fucking crazy about it. Right. And And you know what I'm noticing now? Since our last episode, when we had our, our friend Huber on, Huber was freaking out about how often Ash turns his hat. How was I not noticing this? Now I'm going to notice <laughs> it every time. Ash does a, a, a big iconic hat swivel here. I mean, I always noticed it, but it's just Ash's thing. I, I think I'm taking notes so much, I'm just more uh, dialogue oriented. I miss yeah. so much visual stuff. Ash knows that she's probably going to go for this Venonat. He goes for Bulbasaur. When Charmander or Pidgeotto are right fucking there. Yeah, so this is him not knowing type uh, matchups again, right? So Good is Bug God, strong Ash. against grass? Yes, and yes. in Gen 1, Bug is strong, also strong against poison. So Bulbasaur's ah. quad weak to Bug in Gen 1. Right, so Bulbasaur could get fucked here, damn. Yeah, but Pidgeotto or Charmander would be the infinitely better choice. So walk us through this battle. Bulbasaur v. Venonat. So Venonat... Goes for a stun spore, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And Bulbasaur whirlwinds it, which is whirlwind is not a move Bulbasaur can learn. So there's a call out on, I, I think, Bulbapedia about this. That the, the Japanese name of the move um, whirlwind is closer to just saying the phrase blow away, blow it away. Oh, kind yeah. of thing. So they're speculating on Bulbapedia that uh, this translation could is kind of a mistake and that Ash is just telling him to blow the stun spur away and they translated it as the move whirlwind because the phrase blow away and whirlwind look very similar. So I'm blaming the, the translators. Do your fucking job better. Uh, Come man, on, people. Being a translator is the most thankless thing on the planet because you either, if you do a perfect job, People compliment the writers, the animators, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And if you fuck up, everyone loses their mind. <laughs> <laughs> who would who would who would lose their mind over something like that? I don't yes, know what you're talking who would? about. Who would never who met would a person that? like that? <laughs> <laughs> so the Venonat has some uh pretty hype moves here. Dodges, yeah, those are side beam. beam. Whoa. Whoa. I believe that is a move Venonat can learn. I know Venomoth can for sure. Oh, sick. Psybeam but... is dope. That's a strong psychic attack. But Spulbasaur is able to cannon. survive it. He leech seeds the Venomoth, which zaps away all of its power. And this or is Venonat, the first sorry. time in the history of the world that leech seed was a good move. Leech seed is fucking awesome. Oh, it is? <laughs> leech seed is so good. Oh, shows what I know. I yeah. thought that it wasn't good. <laughs> no, it's great. It's especially good for very defensive Pokemon because it just whittles away their health and you get that health back. You regain that. Oh, I thought whittling was bad. I thought you wanted to just smoke them. I don't know shit. I mean, you can, but not not every Pokemon is equipped to, like, go huge power. Okay, well, we do see the Venonat here. Just, uh, it's it's all, it's, it's uh, will to live just being sucked away gradually. Yeah, so Leech Seed does work a lot faster in the anime, apparently, than it does <laughs> in the games. Yeah. Because Leech Seed is supposed to, like, just, it whittles away your health at the end of every turn a little bit okay. over time. But in, in this, in the anime, apparently, it just zaps it all at once. Which begs the question, 
Why doesn't Ash use Leech Seed all the time? Well, there, yeah, there's no sense of like gamification, like an exploitation in, in this show. Because you would think when he figures out the good moves, just use them all the time. Yeah, because so many times he'll like, he'll have Pikachu use Thunderbolt and then use Thundershock. And Thundershock is literally just worse Thunderbolt. Watching Ash uh, command his Pokemon is like watching uh, Twitch plays Pokemon or a yeah. random number generator plays Pokemon. Or watching me play Donkey Kong Country 3. <laughs> really? Are you a random? Are you the Are you the Ash Ketchum of Donkey no, it's Kong just, Country 3? It's just frustrating. <laughs> okay. okay. More so Donkey Kong Country 2. Fucking animal antics. Stupid fucking squawks. Hate that parrot. And speaking of parrots. No, not at all. Speaking Voltorb. of Voltorbs. <laughs> Voltorb rolls in. They... they Seem to be able, like, I know where Voltorbs, like, explode, but in, in this episode, they do a lot of, like, smoke screens, basically. Yeah, he's like a smoke bomb. And another ninja appears, Aya's brother. Koga. Is it her brother, or is it just that kind of, like, a term that she used? Because she, like, referred to him I as honored brother. Don't know. That's a good one. They they say brother and sister in this, I thought, but you're you're right that it's not very clear. And and is Aya an anime-only character? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, but we we meet uh, Koga here, the Fuchsia Gym leader. And oh, Bulbapedia so, does say that Koga is her brother. So. Okay. I think this is the point where the uh, the gang realized they're in the gym, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're like, I just thought this was a weird and wacky place, man. I mean, in fairness, it didn't say gym on the front. Oh, I know, I know. So. <laughs> we just thought this place was sweet, man. He reveals himself as the Fuchsia Gym leader. And that this is the gym. It's not in Fuchsia City, apparently, like in the games. And apparently, Fuchsia City itself, the actual city, will not be seen in the episode for 400 episodes. Keep your hats on, folks. We'll get there eventually. (laughs) 400 episodes. Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't know why they didn't put Fuchsia City in the show at all. Eh, no big deal. We get the Ninja Mansion. So Team Rocket are spying. Of course they are. Mm -hmm. That's all they do these days. Jesse pulls a James Rose out of her wherever and alliterates all over the place. I didn't write down what she said, but oh, she does a you big know alliteration. I did. Uh, you know yeah. I did. So they're, I was banking they're on that. discussing this ninja mansion, right? Saying there's lots of poison Pokemon in there we could steal. James isn't impressed. He's like, this just looks like a Japanese restaurant. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> okay, I've never been to a Japanese restaurant that like takes up an entire mountain, but uh, I'm in. Let's go. Uh, and then and then Jesse pontificates on the beauty of poison Pokemon. She says, poisonous Pokemon are positively perfect for perfidious people like us. What does perfidious even mean? I don't know, but James go, but James is also confused. And Jesse translates and goes, beautiful things can be painful. And chucks a rose <laughs> at him. So in the gym battle, back to the gym, it's going to be two on two. Yeah, two for on the two. soul badge, which looks like a heart. Ash makes the smart choice here. He leads Pidgeotto into Is Koga's Venomat. If it's by accident, can you call a random number <laughs> generator smart? He got lucky. <laughs> Koga's Venonat immediately evolves. And this isn't even the first time we see this. I know. Like, what when you see this, this we up. saw this with the Abra, like these like gym leaders who are like notorious <laughs> strong trainers. Having a, a weak Pokemon that just evolves on the spot. It's such a weird coincidence. They love to just fuck with the trainers. Yeah, I, I'm on that theory that they've got tons of, of copies yeah. of the same Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> so Koga's Venonat immediately evolves. Brock 
being the dumbass this time, thinks it's some kind of metamorphosis attack. And Misty has to be the one to tell him, no, you idiot, it just evolved. Yeah, like he like invented a term, like a metamorphosis attack has never been a thing yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's like, it's a fusion ha attack. It's a, we're playing <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't know. It was bizarre. So Venomoth goes for the stun spore. Pidgey Odo tries to whirlwind away, but it doesn't work. And then Venomoth goes for sleep powder, which is bullshit because you can't have two active status effects on one Pokemon at a time. Well, Venonat doesn't care. Or Venomoth. Bullshit. Venomoth. Mm-hmm. Wait, yeah, describe this Venomoth. So the Venonat has evolved. It used to be this furry little, you know, bug bro. Now it's a giant moth. <laughs> yeah. Guess. But like That's a spiky, a spiky kind of moth. Like it's got a little spike head and yeah. pink wings, and that's pretty much Venomoth. So now that Pidgeotto's snoozing on the job, uh, Charmander gets uh, sent out, yeah. flames he... through the spores. Now they kind of intercept each other and they like, cancel each other out. Ah, yeah. When flames Which... and spores meet, I feel like the flames should have overtaken the spores. Totally, a lot, really, really easily. But meanwhile. Team Rocket crashed the party through the roof for like the third time Let's in a blow gym the battle. Roof off this place. I know for a moment here, I was like, again, I was like, <laughs> are Team Rocket just going to try to like vacuum up the Pokemon and Ash won't finish the battle, but he'll get a badge for being good. <laughs> Can but Ash no, get through one quite, goddamn it's gym battle? What happens. <laughs> it's almost what happens. But so they appear and they're and they're putting on a full kabuki play. So this mm-hmm. is this ancient style of Japanese theater where people wore uh, like a white makeup. And I actually don't know much about kabuki, but it, it's a very distinct style of of play. They're in this full makeup, full costumes. Uh, they've got umbrellas. And uh, and they're like it, they're finding it way too hard to move in these costumes. They like fall over. They're like, but a ninja mansion calls for Kabuki stars, <laughs> but they give up. Yeah, know, they it's like, it. come on, guys, ditch those costumes. But they do the most dramatic motto yet while they're in while they're in costume. It's like to protect the world from devastation. devastation. It's very dramatic, like yeah, overly it, it dramatic. It fits the costumes. So Koga, Ash, and I all team up to take on Team Rocket. But Jesse and James have some fucking Spider-Man web shooters yes, for some reason it, it in their hands. It turns out that James was bit by a radioactive spider last night. Yeah. And he can now <laughs> spray Spider-Man webs out of his hand. Okay, so we're, we're, we're probably supposed to believe that they have this is some kind of item they have. Some kind mm-hmm. of gadget. But it doesn't explain it. Or even show it. They're just like spraying Spider-Man webs out of their hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're so they're they're sticking the Pokemon uh, you know, to the ground, to the walls, they're covering them in these webs. And basically all Koga, Aya, Ash's Pokemon are all sticked up. Misty then tries to enter the battle with Starmie, but Psyduck sends himself out. Yeah. She's like, Not you, Psyduck. Psyduck's just doing his best. Love I love Psyduck. Psyduck. And they're like, okay, if you're going to attack, like, what even are your moves? So so they go to the Pokedex, and uh, I love how they walk through Psyduck's moves slowly in this episode. So this is the start. The, the Pokedex is like, number one, tail whip. <laughs> so Psyduck does a tail whip, but it's this sad, miserable little hip shuffle that doesn't Psy, do anything. Duck, Psy, duck, Psy, duck. And Psyduck is like embarrassed. His face is getting all red. <laughs> They're like, what the fuck? Okay, what's number two? 
Number two, Scratch. Scratch. Runs at the at uh, Arbok at Jesse's Arbok, and Arbok just like eats his face. <laughs> yeah, and he just fucking runs around. He freaks the fuck <laughs> out about it. Freaks the fuck out. Misty's so ashamed. She's like, oh my god, Scyther. But then Koga pulls a rope, and a bunch of Voltorb fall from the ceiling. Team Rocket web them up, and one of them <laughs> blows up. And apparently then we're in a different room. Yeah, so the, one of the, the Voltorbs does this smokescreen thing again. And at that point, the gang kind of moves into a, a, another room, you know, catch their breath. But it, it's funny that Koga launched all these Voltorbs at them, and they basically just are like, oh, yeah, sweet, more Pokemon to capture. <laughs> so they yeah. scoop all <laughs> the Voltorbs. And Meowth loves the Voltorbs. He's like, I'm going to practice my bowling game. I wonder what Meowth's high score is. I feel like he'd be a good bowler. I feel like he'd be all right. He seems like a he would be a hobbyist. Yeah. <laughs> so this new room that they're in is apparently slanted. To confuse enemies. And honestly, that doesn't really... I felt like I thought that was going to come up a lot more, but it didn't really. Yeah, it didn't mean shit. No. <laughs> they just pointed out. They're like, oh, slanted. Okay. Pikachu can't get electricity past these this gunk web stuff. And then Team Rocket blasts through the wall. They found the gang. And James says he's losing his liquidibrium. <laughs> liquidibrium? Yeah, he says liquidibrium instead of equilibrium. <laughs> nice, nice. I don't. I want to. I want to say that's a joke, but I also partially want to believe that the voice actor just could not pronounce equilibrium. He came to her drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get liquidibrium. So Meowth is a Voltorb. Psyduck is running around like a Torchic with its head cut off. <laughs> nice, good one. Torchic is a chicken. Yeah, uh. a little chicken. And Misty can't get him back in the ball. Team Rocket even rejects Psyduck. They don't even want to take no, Psyduck they're like, with them. Yeah, this annoying fucking duck. Meowth like boots it in the head. Its yeah. headache is getting worse and worse. And then suddenly Psyduck starts like glowing, launches it. And this is where we get Dex continuing the countdown of his attacks. Number three, disable. Blue waves emanate from this Psyduck. And they freeze Team Rocket in the air. And then number four, Confusion, starts slamming him around. Now, Confusion is just a move that does some psychic damage, causes confusion, right? Yeah, it's uh, basically but, weaker Psybeam. But Psyduck's Confusion is like, he's like Professor X. He's got mm -hmm. telekinesis now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he sends him blasting off. Psyduck saves the day. Oh, Good yeah, job, he's Psyduck. so cool, glowing blue, all this crazy psychic attacks. And Misty's into it now. She's like, damn, those attacks are cool. You could do this the whole time. <laughs> and Psyduck removes the spider webs too during all this. Yeah, his psychic powers can also do that for some reason, I guess. And Dex gives the reveal when Psyduck's headaches get real bad, his powers get insane. Mm -hmm. People need to just read more about their Pokemon. Like, why why, why do they wait for the battle to find this out? Okay, so I have a trivia question for you here. Okay, trivia I know question. If you know, Interesting. What type or types are Psyduck and Golduck? Water. Yep. Is that your answer? Just water? No, no. What? So they're a mix? What? I'm, I'm it, asking you. What and do it's you think? not water psychic? I'm, I'm just asking you, what do you think Psyduck and Golduck's types are? Okay, so I would assume water psychic, but since you're asking me, I think that's not the answer, and I think it's water ice? No, it's just water. Oh, just water. Okay. Yeah. It's not uh, everyone, it's one of those common ones where everyone thinks that Psyduck and Golduck are water psychic types, but they're not. And it's probably because of their portrayal in the anime, Exactly. Right? They yeah. And they also just have a lot of psychic moves in general. 
So like they should really be water psychic types, but they didn't for some reason. Just ducks. Anyway, so Koga and Aya both want to trade for the Psyduck for some reason. Yeah, they're like, damn, that annoying duck's cool as hell. But Misty won't have it. She loves him now. She came she came full circle. She came around. Not full circle. She came 180 degrees on Psyduck. Yeah. And Ash is like, well, I thought you hated Psyduck. And Brock hits us with the philosoph- philosophy. A woman's heart can be a very fickle thing. Thank you, Brock. Sexist. Thank you. Thank you for that. Misty is always just shown as the like overly emotional one. Hashtag night, just 90s things. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag stereotyping. <laughs> but you know what's not a stereotype is that they actually resume the battle now. Right. I put that too. In an odd turn of events, Koga doesn't just give Ash the badge. Yeah, they actually go back to the fight. Every other time. They actually yeah. go back to the fight. So they're going to finish up the fight with Koga's goal bat. Versus is Charmander. And Golbat is a ball form of Zubat, right? Yeah. Big mouth. Got a big, big, big mouth. giant mouth. So wing attack misses. Charmander goes for Ember. I like this. Charmander embers by spinning really fast and his flames, or the flame on his tail spits them out. Beautiful. I thought that was a fun little good touch. touch. Golbat goes for the screech. Charmander flamethrowers. Misses. Hits Brock. Yeah. <laughs> Brutally <laughs> burns Brock's <laughs> face. He is maimed, has to spend months in a burn ward, slowly oh, getting grafted back together, and we're back in the battle. <laughs> you know what we should have done this what? entire podcast, like this entire a, series? A Brock dies count? <laughs> no, we should we should have done um, a count of, if this was America, how much would these characters have to pay for oh, all of their for injuries? Health. For health, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot, a lot. They're constantly getting skewered. Mm-hmm. Especially if you include type Team Rocket. Yeah. Charmander is able to hit Golbat eventually with the flamethrower. He finishes off with a fire spin, and Charmander is so proud of himself. I love it. Oh, yeah. Well, I love won. seeing Charmander's job, growth. Charmander. I love seeing Charmander's growth since he was a very kind of insecure little abandoned Pokemon. Yeah, he's come a long way. Good job, mm-hmm. Charmander. I love it. Mm-hmm. Koga confers the soul badge onto Ash. That is six badges, and it is going to be a long while until we get to seven. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it is oh, a boy. long ways away. Okay, okay. I guess there's some kind of arc in between. <laughs> many, many filler. Much oh, filler. Oh, that <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Misty hopes success won't go to Psyduck's head. I wonder if that's foreshadowing. That's not me saying that's going to happen. That is me genuinely wondering if that's foreshadowing. It was also a bit of a pun, just because talking about Psyduck's head all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess so. That's probably what it is. It's probably just a joke. Most things in life are just jokes. And that's the episode. So I had a real struggle thinking of literary stuff. And I I think there would be a lot in, in Japanese culture for ninja references. Like, and there obviously are. Like, if you've seen any kind of anime, there's tons of ninja references. And, and I, I read that there were, like, multiple waves of ninja popularity. Uh, even in like the 1920s, I guess there was some ninja stories or, or early comics. Maybe they wouldn't be manga, but um, that that were very popular. Um, and then, you know, in more modern anime, like obviously Naruto is super popular. But I, I didn't think that's very interesting. I wanted to get to the essence of the episode, right? Like what kind of themes can we draw and could tell us something about the story, about literature in general? So I really searched my heart and thought, what was fundamental to this episode, right? What at the core of this episode aligns with a story that that we know about? And I thought of the classic, classic movie, uh, pure piece of art. Are you ready for this? Home Alone, 
<laughs> this episode is Home Alone when the wet bandits try to sneak in <laughs> and get the... Uh, I don't even remember why they're trying to sneak in. It's been a long time since I've seen Home Alone. But it's around uh, the place. But yeah, and then the kid sets up all the different traps. And uh, Koga is the kid. He's got traps all over the place. The more the more actual kind of story, I guess. And and this isn't really literature, but like the uh, ugly duckling, right? Like like this is, and that's what Psyduck is kind of supposed to be. Is that they think he's a nuisance. He doesn't fit what uh what they deem as useful uh and then when he really shows off his prowess then suddenly misty like loves him right treats him mm-hmm. and it's kind of an insincere way to to treat someone r- really is just based on this like core utility you can warm up to them but um you know it, it, it come on misty be better be better but this one was a struggle <laughs> mm-hmm. i i think home alone is your best uh home alone right your I'm best comparison of you so yeah. we'll go with it. <laughs> to the four poor. Four poor. Once again. Ninja Poka Showdown. First category will be silly Pikachu moments. I don't think he really had any. No, no, I'm trying to think too. It's not a Pikachu heavy episode. No, is it? not at all. There's like when Ash thought Pikachu shocked him, but that was about it. Yeah. So kind of weak. Even, weak. Yeah. We don't like, get like a peak. You know, there's so many other episodes with a really uh memorable funny pikachu moment right and and this this is uh no nah, they're they're weak we don't mm-hmm. even really see much Poke- pikachu sort of action or expressiveness in this one so two uh, yeah one. i was gonna say one one sure unfortunately one. oh that's a heartbreaker and second category will be ash moron moments there we go that's a better one <laughs> So okay, him using so Bulbasaur against Venomat. matchups, yeah. Random number generating battle. Does he have? He doesn't realize it's the gym. Yeah. Um, is does he say anything stupid? Probably, but we're so like used to it that I think it's <laughs> we're becoming numb. Yeah, not like the last episode when he wonders if the cheerleaders are Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so not not like a, there isn't like a key moron moment here beyond yeah. the. the Kind of weird battling. Yeah, for this being a, an, an episode where Ash gets a gym badge, this is actually more of like a Misty episode. Yeah, kind of. Like she's the only, she's the only one with like a, a development or like a theme around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so like a three. I, I was thinking know. four, four, sure, four, four plus one, one. so two point five. Weak, weak episode. You heard it here first, folks. That episode sucked. Okay. So Unfortunate at, because I actually quite liked it, but you know, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. If the so, objective rating is two point five, then what are you going to do? So we're at the end of the two kill a deli bird uh, episode. So if you have not seen the Mario movie yet, here is your warning. You can, but first, but first, but first, but first, what? But first, to to cap off the end of the the actual Pokemon section of the episode, we should let them know if you're watching along what the episodes are going to be next week. Let's oh yeah, now. sure. Let's hear it next week is another triple. Oh, really? And it's going to be the last triple for a long time, I think. Okay. So we're looking at, this is kind of the Safari Zone area arc. Oh, that's the big arc, eh? The Safari Zone. Sort of, because the first two episodes technically don't even take place in the Safari Zone. The gang just thinks they're in the Safari Zone. Spoilers. But this doing a triple here also is not only thematic with itself, but it sets up a lot of two-episode arcs Okay. Uh, in the future. 
So we're looking at episodes 33, The Flame Pokemonathon. Okay. It's fun to say. Yeah, very. Uh, episode 34, The Kangaskhan Kid. And episode 35, which is our second band episode. It does not have a proper official English title, but the Japanese title uh, translates to The Legend of Dratini. Well, I'm excited for that one because Beauty and the Beach was awful. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like amusing. So yeah, this one was banned because of guns. There's like a lot of gun work in this episode. Guns? In yeah. America? Who would have <gasps> thought? But yeah, that's what we're doing next week. Let's talk Mario a little bit. Let's talk Mario. Okay, here's your warning. Uh, we wanted we wanted to be able to talk spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, turn back now. Okay. Well, first let's... spoiler thought coming in three, two, one. Holy fuck! It's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I gotta get this out of the way that like I know critics were pretty harsh on it, and I fuck sort critics. of. I, no, don't fuck critics. But fuck yeah, critics. I kind of fuck critics. Like, I'm I think the one that, with the film degree. I can say fuck critics. I think critics. people want to look towards critics as some objective force. And the, the truth is that your personal enjoyment can come in any form, right? Like, like there isn't this, this stuff is entertainment. There aren't objective truths for how good something is. Except for the four poor. Except for the four poor. And I don't think any critic uses the four poor besides us. So Yeah, I don't understand what they're doing. Like what the fuck is your job, guys, if you're not pulling so, ping pong balls so out I, of a pitcher? I think that if you're not into uh video games, if you're not into Mario, there's not a lot here. It's a very fast movie. It jumps around constantly. Mm -hmm. Okay. As a Nintendo movie though, it's awesome. Like so it's so jam-packed full of references. And I, and I know some people might be like, well, you know, I don't like that. I want there to be more than just references. I think for something as simple as Mario, and I, and I mean simple as like, uh, you know, it's simple stories. This is what you do, right? Like you, there isn't a, the, there isn't like a deep sort of lore to play on. Yeah, no, it's, it's, we're not looking for Citizen fucking Kane here in terms we're, of the Mario movie we're story. Not it's Mario. We're looking for a comic book adaptation. No. Though, I'm, right? We're, I was we're looking, looking for, for just like a fun uh, sort of ode to what Mario's about. I wanted fun moments, cool action sequences, funny jokes, references, Mario kicking Bowser's ass. That's what I wanted. That's, and what, that's I got. what you get. That's exactly what, you get. what I got. It is action nonstop and it's references nonstop. Like if you even blink, you will miss an old school Nintendo reference. So mm -hmm. many NES games. Like, like I, I wouldn't be able to name them all. Uh, like uh, Marathon, Kid Icarus, uh, Punch Out, Wrecking uh, Crew, Wrecking Crew. Nice, nice. Yeah, there's a lot of references that are like in your face, obviously, but like the amount of background references is insane. Yeah, and kind like, of deep cut nerd references too. Like even those games we just listed. Oh, Balloon Fight. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt. There was a Duck Hunt one. I need to rewatch this movie a couple times just to see, like... Just the, to write them all down. Just to see all the references in the background. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna read off what I said to my friends in our Discord about this. Okay. Like, this is my initial thoughts after I got home from the movie. I'm just going to read it word for word. So, general thoughts. Oh my fucking God, I loved it. It did justice to the Mario franchise, and as a big fan, every single reference had me squealing with joy. Voice acting? Great. Everyone complained in the trailers that it was just Chris Pratt's voice, but it really isn't. There is a Brooklyn accent in there. Is it a shame Charles Martinet didn't get to do it? Yes, obviously, but I don't think Martinet's Mario voice is well-suited for a full-length movie. 
I think it would just kind of get grating. So I'm willing to give the change of voice actors a blanket pass. And Martinet's voice act cameos were a lot of fun. There's only one voice I was really disappointed with, but the vast majority of characters I could really sink into the movie and believably not hear the actual person, with exceptions. When Bowser sings, you could easily hear Jack Black, but the rest of his performance is phenomenal. And even the singing is phenomenal. I'm just saying you can really hear Jack Black. It's awesome, but it's a tenacious D song. Absolutely. (laughs) I was skeptical going in on Donkey Kong because I knew that it was just Seth Rogen's voice, but I think the way that DK is portrayed as this, like, brute teenager show-off kind of guy, I think Seth Rogen's... I think Seth Rogen's voice really worked. He's a frat, bro. Yeah, especially his laugh. His laugh really worked for DK. So can I guess who the the one uh, portrayal you didn't love was? That is the next next point. Go for it. Cranky? No, I loved Cranky. Oh, okay. Who was it? I feel like I'm the only person that liked Cranky. Fred Armisen was great. Fred Armisen is great. I don't know if that was the best, if that was the most. I didn't love the Kongs, actually, period. Like, the Seth Rogen was fine, was fine. But I, I think that... I would have liked something a bit sillier, actually, for the the Kongs. But it's minor. Yeah. The only voice I didn't love was Peach, honestly. Oh, really? I thought Peach was badass. I fucking adore Anya Taylor-Joy, and Peach's character in the movie was great. I loved it. But it really is just her voice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Like, I can't can't listen to Peach without seeing Anya Taylor-Joy. I could give... DK like getting a Queen's pass. Gambit flashbacks. Yeah. I could I could give DK a pass because I think Rogan actually really was a good choice for how they portrayed DK. But I all I heard was was ATJ. He's really Peach. just uh, Seth Rogan too in it though. Yeah, um, I think Peach needed like Peach one octave higher. A hell of a cool character though. Peach they, was great. Her character is fantastic. Like she is still a princess, but she's they, also a she's, girl boss. She's a. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get into that stupid. <laughs> Twitter, YouTube, clickbait sort of stuff, uh, <laughs> culture war kind of stuff. She she is the peach from playable games, right? She's yeah. playable in, in games like even Super Mario Brothers 2. They, uh, at one point, they only briefly uh, showed where she floats, but that was definitely a reference, her floating with her, her dress. Peach is the one that teaches us about power-ups and first shows like them jumping through the world. Very cool. The power-ups were very cool, how, how that was oh, yeah. kind of put into the movie, eh? So we see Fire Flower, Ice Flower, Big Mushroom, Small Mushroom, Tanuki Suit, Star. I guess that's it. <laughs> that was it, yeah. Um, it was good. Oh, Cat Suit. I, I forgot the Cat Suit. Oh, yeah, suit. the Cat Suit. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. The girl bossing is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Her being no, a girl no, boss no. is great. No, it and is. And anybody, anybody who thinks like, oh, my God, they went woke with making Princess Peach oh, yeah, a I hero. I just didn't want to get like, into that discussion because like, it's stupid. Like Peach has always been a hero. Yeah. She gets kidnapped a lot, but she's also a hero. Super Mario Bros. Yeah. 2, Super Mario 3D World, Paper Mario, second Paper Mario, third Paper Mario, maybe the other three. I haven't Super played Super Mario already. RPG. RPG, exactly. She's always been a fucking girl boss, and we love her for it. Super yeah. Princess Peach, yeah. that's a whole game where her, she is the hero. There you go. Like, this isn't a new thing. This is just really playing on that. I think I saw an interview with Miyamoto or something where he said, like, Peach's original design philosophy was that she is tough. She is a hero. But she also just gets captured. Yeah, in even a, the strongest she can't people do get captured sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. No, but she was she was very cool. I, I like, mm-hmm. great action sequences around her. Uh, when she sneaks the fire, the ice flower into the wedding. Oh, so Ooh, cool. Oh, so good. So this whole wedding idea, like... Straight out of Mario Odyssey, eh? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. The hats, the the wedding design. And the, all the all the baddies in the audience. Oh King Bob Bomb, King Boo. I think I caught 
I think I caught a Paper Mario reference in there. I think Lava Piranha was in the audience. Oh, okay. I didn't catch that. I, I think that. there's I think, a lot going on. Scoop. Yeah. The piranha with like the really long curvy stem and his tongue sticking out. I think lava piranha is like the only iteration of a piranha like that. So I think mm-hmm. that was lava piranha. I think it's part paper Mario reference. Okay. Which is cool. I like that. Oh, I wasn't yeah. expecting paper Mario references. Oh, especially classic paper Mario. Any any mm-hmm. references to the N64 and GameCube games, very welcome. And also the scoring, the music. Oh my Okay, I did God. want to get into the music. Okay, so the, there's two sort of categories of music in this movie. There's the orchestral uh, Mario-themed music, and then there's like sort of 80s and 90s pop, licensed pop music. The needle drops, yeah. Yeah. The score, the actual Mario score, incredible. So So good. So good. So many different themes throughout Mario's uh, games, like like different eras, different games pulled into Everything's a reference. Everything's a reference. Like in a good way, though, it's very, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, iconic themes, they fit. There's even like a, there was like kind of a slowed down epic version of uh, Jungle Swing, right? When they're yeah. going into the uh, the Donkey Kong land. But then they also will just flip into these like pop songs. And that didn't do a lot for me. I thought Holding that, out for a hero take on me. I thought it was fucking funny. It was like, it fine. Was so, it, it was, was fine, so out it, of place. It, it was funny. It was out of place. Yeah, it doesn't hold a candle against how good the score is. So. The only thing I was disappointed in was when they pull out the rocket barrel near the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping for a good remix of the rocket barrel theme, and we didn't get one from Donkey Kong Country Returns or Tropical Freeze. No, no. And, and there apparently were a couple Donkey Kong Country songs that have been scored that got cut, but not in that Aww. sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, apparently in... Um, is it... Ta- when they Do they play Take On Me during the... when they? Yeah, yeah, when they first when they get to the, the Donkey jungle? Kong yeah. land. Yeah, yeah. There was a score mix of Sticker Brush Symphony, I think, that oh, got cut. Oh, we, we lost Sticker Brush but, Symphony? But, Are you kidding the me? the recording's still out there. You can find it on YouTube. Oh, my God. I know. That's such a good song. That's, uh, <laughs> I just really wanted the Rocket Barrel theme. Rocket Barrel from the modern games is, like, one of the best music themes I, I think I've ever heard. It's one of my favorites, and I was just really hoping for a really good score when they popped on that Rocket Barrel. Rocket Barrel's a good reference, too. So that that's the thing. It it's a movie of references. It's a mm-hmm. giant mash pot of references. It's almost like just this big homage to Mario. Which, if you're a Mario fan, it's is so fucking cool. If you're not, like, you're probably not going to get it much out of this because it's if if you strip away that there's not much of a movie here. But I, I don't. I think that's fine, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, just it's as Mario. long as you understand. I'm going to more of a Mario celebration than a movie. You're going to have fun with it. And that, and that's the adult take. I think even if a kid doesn't really know anything about Mario, they'll still enjoy it. Like, it's still I a fun it's a movie to just watch. Yeah, yeah cause absolutely. Because it's got a lot of, like, cheap gags, I think, that would land mm-hmm. well with kids. Um, you know, a lot like a cartoonish kind of gags. People yeah, getting they, hit in the face by stuff a lot. And they, kids aren't going to know all the references, but they'll still enjoy it. Like, it's still just a fun movie to watch. No, your, your kids will catch, like... A couple references if yeah. they played a Mario game, but there's references from like every Mario game here, except for the sports games. But everything else, yeah, like we don't we don't need high art on this thing. It's Mario. He beat the turtle and saved the world. Like that's all we that's all we're looking for. <laughs> I'm not really like fine art is one thing, but I think we should also be able to appreciate fine trash. That's like yeah. a, there's a quote from this like old film critic, right, from like the 60s that people always say misquote i'm gonna misquote it but they're like if we can't appreciate fine art 
or no, movies are so often or so rarely art that if we can't appreciate fine trash, what's the point? And uh, that's why I like Fast and the Furious. <laughs> There's a reason The Room is like one of the most popular movies out there. <laughs> right, because it's like... It's, it's so like, bad. <laughs> and I, I get kind of annoyed when people, you know, get so concerned with things being well done. I'm like, we've seen well done movies before. Mm-hmm. I want nonsense. <laughs> yeah, and that's not to say that the Mario movie is bad. It's good no, for its target audience. It's good for its target audience. So uh, that's what gorgeous, matters. too. Oh, yeah, it looks great. Like, so well animated. And the little cameos from other characters are great. I wasn't expecting a Diddy and a Dixie cameo. And then even fucking Chunky was in there. That was Chunk, cool. Chunky was in there. Chunky no, gone. No Funky. No Funky, though. Right? No, yeah, Funky should have been the guy driving them around at the start. Yeah, I don't know who that guy was. That should so. that definitely should have been Funky. And then from the ending of the movie, oh my God, when Mario and Luigi get the Superstar and they yeah. kick Bowser's ass the to the remix of playing. the Superstar theme, <laughs> Oh, oh my fucking god, it's so good. Yeah, and Brooklyn, they save Brooklyn and everyone loves them. <laughs> oh, that's another needle drop moment. No no sleep till Brooklyn at the beginning. Yeah, the beginning, yeah. Which yeah. that one I thought fit. That one was fun. It was fine. Yeah, that was did good. You, did you catch at the at the start when they're running through that construction site? Like it's a recreation of 1-1? Oh, I sort of thought that's what they were going for but you're saying even the like the quote-unquote level design is i think is so one yeah one? Oh. and then at the at the and end because then, then when they go because then when they go down to the sewer next it says it says one two when they're going oh. down the sewers there's like a plaque that says like station one two or something oh i didn't catch that yeah yeah so that yeah, was li- so that would literally be them be beating one one and <laughs> going to one two. That's well. Cool. I mean, at the at the end of uh, at the end of when they're running across the construction site, like Mario slides down the light pole, which yep. is obviously the flagpole, and, and it's yep. next to a restaurant called like Castle Burgers or something. I thought it was Punch Out Pizza. No, oh no no no, no you're right. That one Punch was Out Castle. Later, that was Castle Castle Burgers. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Overall, I have one gripe with the Mario movie. Mm-hmm. You know what it is. No. It is the fact that in the Mario movie, the relationship between Cranky Kong and Donkey Kong oh, yeah. is said to be father-son. When in Mario and Donkey Kong canon, Donkey Kong is Cranky Kong's grandson. His father is Donkey Kong Jr. The Donkey Kong we know and love is Donkey Kong the Third. What the fuck movie? Yeah, and Cranky Kong is supposed to be old. Is supposed to be like the original Donkey Kong, right? Yes. Yeah, Cranky is the Donkey Kong from the Donkey Kong arcade game. Yeah, come on. How would you not know that, writers? <laughs> no, I think this was definitely designed by people who like Mario. There's yeah, too absolutely. much good Nintendo gushing in here for it not to be. Just seeing it open with a Shigeru Miyamoto and Chris Melodandre, I think that's his last name, production. Just seeing it like from Shigeru Miyamoto was like, oh my God. Yeah, he was heavily involved. Oh my God, I love it. This is incredible. So my my wife, her only complaint, because she liked it, but um, was not enough Yoshi. We get a glimpse of Yoshis and that's it. The Stampede, which is obviously a Melee reference. Yeah. Did you stay? Did you stay till the end? Uh, I I don't know. So we stayed for like the first credits. Is there something after the second credits? Okay, I didn't see that. What is it? It's we were. I think we're back in the sewers and we're zooming in on a Yoshi egg. (gasps) Oh, and then the Yoshi egg starts to hatch and then it cuts out. Oh, that's sick. Okay, so they're set enough for a sequel, which I'm here for. With Yoshi, which I am fucking here for. Yeah. Anyway, that's the movie. It was fun. I loved it. 
I loved the movie. Any other thoughts on the movie? I'm trying to remember. I think we, uh, it, it's such a fast moving movie mm-hmm. that I'm like, like, what, it, what am I forgetting? It's just like shoving lights into your, into your brain. Um, oh, the Luma. <laughs> you can't forget the Luma. The sick, twisted Luma. I never <laughs> thought I would hear uh, Pray for Death from a Luma, but yeah, that's the world we death. live in now. I love the line, too. She says something like, time is an illusion, just like hope. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Luma so much. I love the one part where the Luba like leaves the cage. Like she swings around outside of the cage. Like the Luba could just leave. Could just leave. <laughs> but she doesn't. Because <laughs> she's just like bathing she's ready in for despair. Yeah. She's accepted it. She's embracing death. She and then to when, go to when, Valhalla. when she's saved from death, she's like, oh man. <laughs> I love wanted it. to die. I love Luma. What do you think of Bowser's song? It's beautiful. It was fun. Yeah. Peaches, 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 peaches. It's great. Jack Black's performance is fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. He was he was one of the the stronger ones. Luigi was really good too. Yeah. Can't go wrong with Luigi. And 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 you know what? On the because I haven't commented on the Chris Pratt performance yet. Mario is is kind of a stand in anyways. Like he's the Mm-hmm. he's the the player stand-in you don't really need a much from mario i think chris pratt was almost put there because he's sort of become the prototypical protagonist yeah. <laughs> right so that's kind of all it is people and, just and have a hate fine. boner for chris pratt and they, and they, and they like, like, like a few years ago they loved him so i, yeah. I think jurassic world cut people <laughs> there are there are there are like actual real reasons why people don't like Chris Pratt and like they are oh, like real world reasons. Yeah. yeah they are very but, justifiable. I don't really want to get into it. No, but like no, from an objective, no. from an objective standpoint in terms of his performance in the movie, he was totally fine. As Mario. He's fine. It, could have he been, could have someone else done this though? Probably. Like absolutely. And, and I think it's probably just cause the Mario parts, you know, Mario's interesting cause you love Mario stuff, but it's not really about Mario. It's about everything around Mario. That's so fun and wild and mm-hmm. wacky. Um, and the movies like this too, right? Yeah. It's the world. It's the power ups. It's Bowser. It's peach. I was Mario hoping- is a conduit for us to enjoy that. I was really hoping on the uh, the Rainbow Road segment that they would introduce the like the giant mushroom power up from New Super Mario Bros. where they get yeah. really big, and then like I thought that was coming would, too at some point. Someone would just get that and just tear through everybody. I thought that would be really <laughs> cool. Well, did but, you like no. the blue shell? That was hilarious. That made yeah. me laugh really hard. <laughs> yeah, and also fire DK at the end. I wasn't yeah. expecting a Donkey Kong power up, but that's really cool. No, too. that's new. Yeah, yeah, that's like a brand new design. Yeah, power-ups look sick. And and when it kind of flips between 3D into sort of a 2D almost uh, video game, uh, beautiful. Like, uh, I want games that look like that. Like, mm-hmm. so sharp. Oh, my God, so much detail. Imagine a game that looked like that. <laughs> wow. Couldn't be on the Switch. <laughs> Couldn't even be on the Switch 2. No. Whatever that drops. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, so behind. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> that Okay, yeah. I guess that's our that's our take on Mario. We liked it. Yeah. It was a fun movie. I also bought the Cineplex uh question mark block popcorn tin. I saw it at Landmark. They didn't have one. Oh, unfortunate. <laughs> but that looked cool. It's my first ever special popcorn tin. So 
Yeah, I don't have one that. either. I, I I wish they had one for Detective Pikachu, but you know. Yeah, your Say favorite movie of all time. Yeah, still my favorite. Mario didn't top it, but Detective Pikachu is ten out of ten. I gave Mario like eight point seven. Yeah, out yeah, of 10. it's an it's an eight for me. It's a yeah. solid. It's it's a good. It's fun. It, it's it's kind of surface level, but I don't. But it's Mario. Want That's, anything more? Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. Exactly. Like, give it, like give the us core a, concept of a Mario movie is is not something that can really go that far. Give us um, a deep and, Mario story like three sequels from now. Then I'll be ready for it. Like for yeah. now, just throw the references in my face and I'll be happy. Well, it felt like playing a Mario game. Like, just, yeah. It felt like speedrunning like three Mario games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's about it. That's all my yeah. thoughts that I could think of. Yeah. All right. Uh, so where can people find us, Kellen? Uh, everywhere. Everywhere. Pretty much. Yeah. Spotify, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, yep. Apple, Podcast, or Castbox, Overcast, Podbean. Yeah, leave a review. Uh, shout us on comments on YouTube. We're on the Skittle Wickers YouTube channel. Subject uh, to change. Search to kill a deli bird anywhere and you'll, you should be able to find us. Uh, yeah, please leave reviews if you can. Rank. I'd love to hear comments. What are you liking? What are you not liking? Um, you can also, if you're not on uh, the, if you're on an audio platform, you can email us at two kill a deli bird at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, that'll be, oh yes. And our intro and outro music is 80 synthwave by Alexiak. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Thanks folks. So long. Bowser. Catch you next time. Oh, that was something else. I, I wanted a so long Bowser at the so end. Long, but... gay Bowser. So long gay Bowser. So long gay Bowser.